Our scripture began with the words from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Do not worry about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. How does that strike you this morning? Do not worry about anything. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes that, that I, I'm not sure about that. And, you know, what, is, what does Paul know about anxiety or stress? I mean, it wasn't like he was lifted and lowered out of a basket out of a city wall because the people wanted to kill him. Or it wasn't like, you know, both his friends and enemies wanted to kill him. It wasn't like the Jews and the Gentiles wanted to kill him. It wasn't like that he was shipwrecked. And it wasn't like he was uh, beaten almost to death several times. It wasn't like he spent the end of his life in prison for a crime he didn't commit. What did he have to stress over? Do not worry about anything. Today and over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about anxiety. And uh, today we're looking at anxiety from our past, how our past can affect our our, our life today. And then next week, we're going to look at the anxiety of of the things that are around us in our present life. And then third week three, we're going to be looking at anxiety, uh, worrying about the future. Uh, And over and over again, we read in, in the Bible these words like Paul wrote about don't worry. Be anxious for another, nothing. However, when, when I look inside my own life, there are often times when I've allowed uh, worry, anxiety to rule the day. Uh, I've allowed worry to fill my mind. In fact, it's kind of like a normal thing for most people to have just this underlying sense of anxiety. It's just kind of there. This underlying sense of things aren't quite right. And any of you had an anxiety attack before? Uh, I never could understand people who've had anxiety attacks. In fact, I thought it was crazy. They make no sense. They don't. And, and, and I couldn't understand them. That is until I had one. <laughs> and then, wow, it, you know, I can remember the night. <coughs> it, all of a sudden, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, I couldn't know. I didn't know what was going on. My heart started racing. Uh, I felt nauseous and I was anxious. And I, I just, and my wife said, you're having an anxiety attack. And I was like, not me. <laughs> and here, I hated it. In fact, I've had a couple uh, since then. And part of me thinks, you know, oh, oh, well, that's just part of life, just having this underlying sense of anxiety or worry. But it shouldn't be that way. We should not have to live with anxiety attacks. Instead, we're going to be looking at uh, Scripture and how to attack anxiety. You see, for me, what had happened, and it happens for a, a lot of us many times, is, is we let the stresses of the world, you know, money, finances, children, family, jobs, uh, those kind of things crowd in our life. And, and we, we push away uh, the things of God that we know can help. Uh, those spiritual dr- disciplines get crowded out. And I'd lost my focus and I'd allowed my faith to be misplaced. But to combat anxiety, it takes work. In fact, it takes hard work. It is not easy. It, it's not something to, to do uh, easily. It takes discipline. It takes faith. Uh, in fact, George Mueller, the famous theologian, he put it this way, where faith begins, anxiety ends. Where anxiety begins, faith ends. Where faith begins, anxiety ends. Where anxiety begins, faith ends. And, and what does anxiety breed? It breeds all kinds of illnesses, both physical and mental. It breeds terror. 
It, it, it breeds muddled thinking. It's terrible, but, but I think we as Americans have made anxiety almost a national pastime. We love to do it. We love to worry about things. And anxiety can come from many places. Today we're focusing on anxiety that comes from our past. What are some of those things from our past that uh, we have a hard time letting go of? That baggage we carry with us from uh, mistakes we've made, uh, from resentments we hold on to, from unforgiveness, uh, not trusting God, the family battles and scars that we can't let go of. Those are many of the things, and there's probably more, that, that we hold on to those anxieties from the past. But it's my prayer that we can break free from these things from our past in order to live our present lives. But not just live our present lives, but to live with joy. Uh, but it requires hard work. Have I said that already? Yeah. It requires work. It requires discipline. It requires faith. There is no healing without pain. It's kind of been a, a mantra of several on our staff as we work through things. There, you, you have to go through pain to be healed. And, and so this is a painful process at times. Dealing with anxiety can be painful. But, but in order for us to move forward, sometimes we have to go backward and, and look at some of the destructive patterns in our life that keep us from truly living the life that God wants us to live. And one of the most powerful things that can cause anxiety in our life is our family. Uh, you've just gotten through Christmas, and some of you are saying yes. Yeah, okay. I, did, I didn't call, but yeah. But, you know, some of us were blessed with an incredible family, and an incredible uh, blessing, good mother, father, extended family. Others have been uh, not so blessed, and they have terrible families, destructive, abusive. But most of us probably lie somewhere in between in that. Uh, but family is a powerful influencer on how we live. And I'm indebted to uh, Peter Scazzaro's insights into this subject. And he wrote a great book. We've, uh, many of us have read it on staff. It's, it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you haven't read it, uh, write it down. You can order it. It's a fantastic book that helps you uh, examine those things where you need to be healthy. And in the Bible, there are two insights we get on the impact that families can have on our lives. Families can give us incredible blessings that can affect us for generations. We might have uh, parents or grandparents that have blessed us, and it, and it not only blesses us, but it can bless our children or our grandchildren. But families can also pass on sins that affect us and can affect our children and grandchildren for many generations as well. The sins of the past of our family can affect us and affect others. And the second thing we, we see in, in Scripture insights into our family is that it requires hard work and discipleship to break the power of sinful patterns in our families. You know, these family of origins, these things where we come from, we have to relearn, in effect, how to do family, how to live in God's way of family. In fact, when I do premarital counseling, uh, one of the big topics I discuss is family of origin because you bring baggage with you and it will affect your marriage. It will affect your children. It will affect these relationships, especially the, the things that are not so much a blessing but were a curse. 
that are a part of your family, and they can affect you now. Just think about it. For those of you who started our Bible reading plan uh, for 2017, we're in what book of the Bible? Genesis. Genesis. And we've been talking about, uh, you've been reading about Abraham, right? And about uh, his son Isaac, and we're going to be reading about Jacob and Joseph here in the coming uh, days and weeks. These are the, the patriarchs of our faith, the, the spiritual forefathers of our faith, those, those pillars, uh, the ones we look up to. And God used them in powerful ways, and we have their stories. But if you're paying attention as you're reading, uh, I hope you've also noticed that there are some terrible things going on in their families. Uh, I hope you're paying attention. Uh, you, you see these patterns in the family that, that go from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to Joseph being passed down, these, these curses in a sense, uh, patterns of lying. Abraham lied about Sarah. Isaac and his wife uh, and Rebekah's marriage were characterized by, by lies. Jacob lied. He lied about everything. In fact, his name means deceiver. Uh, Joseph's ten brothers lied about his death and kept that lie going for decades. You, you see this pattern of lies going on in family. You see favoritism in families. Abraham favored Ishmael. Isaac favored Esau. Rachel favored Jacob. Jacob favored Joseph and Benjamin. You see fighting go amongst the brothers against each other and how they completely hated each other. Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. You see marriages that are shaky at best and built on deception and shaky foundations. These family of origin issues shape who we are for good or bad. Much of our anxiety lies in the baggage we carry with us from these family of origin issues. For some, you know, you, you feel like you have to achieve to be loved because that's what you were taught. Uh, for others, you, you feel like you don't measure up to a, a sibling. We feel like we can't share and heal from deadly family secrets. Oh, we don't talk about grandpa's drinking. We don't, we don't talk about those men in our families who were womanizers. We don't talk about the explosive anger of our mothers. Those are, you know, we don't deal with that. Let that go. And because of this, we, we can carry around unforgiveness and resentment and our lives don't, don't intersect because we, we live compartmentalized lives. We show up on Sunday morning and we look good, but we haven't integrated our faith into our family. We haven't integrated our faith into who we really are and how that has affected us. And we haven't allowed uh, the truths of God to penetrate into the past brokenness, anxiety, and pain that we have. But, but, but that's what... Here's the good news. Your family of origin does not have to determine your future. God determines your future. When we come to Christ, we are actually placed in a new family, into God's family. And the church should become the place where our brokenness and our anxiety are a place and hopefully a safe place where we can let go of it. But it takes hard work. Have I said that? Yeah. Let me remind you, it takes hard work. 
The church should be the place where we grow up and out of these bad patterns of denial or resentment or minimizing past mistakes or issues and blaming others and blaming ourselves and rationalizing and distracting ourselves and even lashing out at others. So I again turn to Paul and his words for us from Philippians. Do not worry about... What's the word? Anything. Anything. But in... Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We like that part, right? I like the peace part. But what does it require? It's not worrying and putting everything in prayer and thanksgiving. That's how we get the peace part. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is Honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence. And if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, anxiety is, most of the time, it's just a lack of faith. A lack of faith in who God is and who we are in Christ. And Paul gives us good advice on how to deal with anxiety. What does he say? He says, pray. Tell God what you need. Cry out to him. Thank him. Let me let you in on a secret about prayer. Time and time again, uh, people, I don't know why, uh, probably because we're taught to bow our heads and fold our hands in prayer and to speak softly. But uh, when it comes to prayer, we can be honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God about how we're feeling. It's okay to cry out to him. Again, if you're following our Bible reading plan, one of the things we do is every day we're reading, we're praying a psalm. And so we're at Psalm 8. It's the eighth day. There you go. Uh, but if you've been doing that and if you've been paying attention, you've read words like these. Rescue me, O God. Answer me when I call. Free me from my troubles. How long will people ruin my reputation? I am sick at heart. How long until you rescue, restore me? I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. Save me. Wake up, God. It's okay to tell God how you're feeling. He can handle it. It's okay to let those worries, those anxieties of your past, to, to speak them to God. Too often we try to hide them from God and we hide them from ourselves. We say, oh, it, it, those things don't matter. They're in the past. But the past can't affect us if we don't deal with it. But here's the other part of those psalms also, if, you've, if you're paying attention. In all those psalms that we read, and we have these people crying out and asking God, where are you? But in, in the same psalms we, we have where the people are praising God. They're thanking Him, even in the midst of the pain. Or even in the midst of not hearing back, just praying to the ceiling and nothing. But they still are quick to praise God. Why? Because I believe that the psalmist had a proper understanding of who God is and who they are in God. That, that, that they have a proper understanding that, of who God is and who they are in God. And, and that brings us to the second part of our scripture from Philippians. We have to change how we think. We have to think differently. How often our thought patterns get stuck in thinking and focusing on bad things that have happened. About resentments we hold on to. About unforgiveness that clutters our minds. 
And we can't let go of it. And we become blinded to the good things around us, the blessings that God has given us. I, I can't tell you how many times that people come and talk to me and they're just unloading. And it's okay to unload all that stuff. But they can't see any good. The psalmist, they could unload all that stuff, but they also saw they knew who God was. Too often we get caught up and we, we, all we can see is the bad. All we can see is the, the bad things that happen in our past. And we, and we forget about the blessings God gives us. We hold on to it. And here's another part I've noticed, especially with Christians. Uh, we have wrong thinking. And here's how the thinking often goes. If things are going right, then God's happy with me. But if things are going wrong, then God's mad at me. And so that kind of affects how we deal with God. And so things are terrible. Uh, the the bottom's falling out, God's mad or God's upset, I've done something wrong, I've made a mistake. Because I've made a mistake, God's angry with me. And, and all that, a lot of that goes back to our family of origin because a lot of times that's what happened in our family. You made the mistake, people, you know, mom, dad, whatever. But this is this wrong thinking. Instead of thinking and reflecting on the truth of what the Bible says about who we are in God. And that's part of it is we have to change our thinking and uh, Think about the truths and how God loves us. We have to speak those truths of God. We have to cultivate our faith in God. We have to meditate on, our, on His truths. You see, when we worry, we let anxiety rule our life. We become cloudy in our thinking. We don't think straight. And, and, in effect, we're telling God, I don't trust you. I don't. I don't trust you, God. Worry is saying to God that you want to be in control. And we kind of know that, but sometimes, you know, worry is saying to God, you know, God, you have provided all these blessings to me, and, and, and you've called me, God, to give back to you. You called me as a part of, of those blessings is, is to bless others with my money and my time and my finances. But, you know, what worry does is it says, God, I know you say that, but I really don't believe that. So I'm just going to hold on to my stuff and not really let, let go of that because I, I, I don't know if you'll provide. Worry is saying, you know, the Bible has a lot of good words, doesn't it? There's good stuff in there. That might help me, but you know, worry is saying, God, I really don't believe this. I'm going to do it my way instead. You know, your word is okay for other people, you know, for Paul, the apostles, but for me, I, that you just don't understand. Worry is saying, you know, I know you died on a cross for, for me. I know that you suffered. I know that you love me, but, but I really don't feel that. So I'm going to let that go as well. Worry is saying, you know, I know you've given me your spirit, that spirit that resides within me, that brings light and life, that, that guides me in your truth. But I'm not going to listen to that word. No, I'm going to listen to the other words of the world. I don't need that. I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to trust what my past tells me. I'm going to trust other things because I don't need that light. I know it's important, but not right now. Worry is saying, you know, you, you remember your baptism. Some of you are infants, though, and you don't, but you, you've seen other baptism. Worry is, is saying, you know, God, I know in, in my baptism, uh, 
You offered me grace. And, and baptism is what? It is a dying to self and rising again in Christ. Yeah, remember your baptism? The worry is saying, you know what? It, I, I don't remember my baptism. It didn't make a difference. And what does that leave us with? Nothing. It's actually kind of pretty because these flowers are kind of pretty, aren't they? In front of the altar. But it's kind of like the outside. It's pretty. But you know these flowers are actually dead? They're not even alive. And that's so often how we live our lives. We're dead inside because we have all this anxiety and worry and we're not trusting in all this that God has given to us and we're empty. We let the things of the past rule our present. We won't let go of it. We have to learn to think differently. Worry strikes at the heart of who we are in Christ. When we worry, we are being mastered by the circumstances, circumstances around us instead of the truth of God. And what does that leave us with? Not a lot of nothing. So again, I return to Paul. He says this. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Did I tell you this is hard work? We can't just stop worrying and not replace it with something else. We, again, Paul, though, doesn't just leave us with just stop worrying. That's the worst advice. He goes on to tell us to fill that space that we've been placing with worry. Fill it with something else. Fill it with prayer. Fill it with thinking. Fill it with action. And so... This takes faithful discipleship training. Not just a one time and you're done. It's a lifestyle of maturing in Christian discipleship. And so this morning I'm going to give you two, uh, a couple of uh, next steps for you. Uh, something to hold on to. These, both of these are spiritual disciplines. The first one is a way to pray. And uh, it, it, there's many different ways to pray, but sometimes we need some physical activity to go along with it to kind of help retrain our brains. But here's, uh, I just call it hands up, hands down, but it, it, if you would, just place your hands out like this, palms down. And I want you to picture in your mind, you can close your eyes, picture in your mind all those things in your past that you're holding on to. And begin to just imagine them falling from your palms to the ground. They're just falling down. You're letting go of them. You don't have a clenched fist, clenched fist, but an open hand with palms down. So just imagine for a second those resentments of your friends or your boss or a family member. That unforgiveness that you haven't let go of. That family baggage, that abuse, that whatever that is in your past. Just, just let it fall to the ground. Let it go. And I want you to picture that in your mind. Just use your holy imagination as God is letting that fall from your hands. For some of you, you might have to shake it out a little bit. And then turn your palms up. And imagine receiving 
the truths of God. But here's the thing, you're going to have to know these truths. Uh, and that, t- that takes some work. We, we have to understand. And so as our palms are up, it's, it's like God is placing in our hands these truths, these truths that we have been created in his image, that we are his adopted sons and daughters, that we have been forgiven, that we are enough, that we are loved, that we are more than conquerors. Oh, and receive that. Thank you, God. Amen. Just one exercise. Maybe make it a habit daily to just, it begins to change how you approach it. Because part of it is what? It is actually saying, yeah, there's stuff I'm holding on to. I need to let go of it. But the other part is that thanksgiving. What have I received from you? What are the truths of who I am or who you are? The second thing, your next step is, is about right thinking, about uh, thinking intentionally about the truths of God and being thankful for what God has blessed you with. So here's one scripture I want you to think about. Uh, it's Lamentations 3, 20 through 24. Here it is. I love the scripture. It starts with this, my soul is downcast within me. It's not all happy. <laughs> Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. That's what I love. I love this scripture. Lamentations reminds us that we can have joy in spite of our past. We can change how we respond to it. So often we say, oh, my soul is downcast within me, and the world is terrible, and everything's bad, and everything's terrible, and I'm just... And we stop. But this is no... I'm not going to stop there. Yet I have hope because I have a God. And the truths of God I'm going to meditate on. And so this might be a verse that you need to memorize so that when you get in that place, you can begin to recall in your mind these truths of who God is. Here's another part. Maybe you can get a journal and write this verse at the beginning of that journal. And, and, uh, and then every day, no matter what's gone on in your life, don't write down the bad things that have gone on. Write down the blessings that you have. And again, it's retraining your brain on how you approach life, approach your past. A way to counter the worry that would otherwise consume you. Change your thinking. Instead of worrying, maybe celebrate. Celebrate your salvation and God's love. Here's an, Today is baptism of the Lord's Sunday. We celebrate that Jesus was baptized. We got plenty of stuff to worry about. Why don't we just celebrate that instead? Go out and eat. Give you permission. (laughs) Here's another verse for you to meditate on. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you and with loud singing. That's a cool verse, isn't it? Maybe take these verses and memorize them to help you to change the way you think. For me, it's Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I will not fear. And then I go to the end. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's changing my thinking in the midst of it. I'm reciting that verse in my head to convince myself. I don't have to convince God. He already knows. 
but I have to convince myself. I have to change my thinking. That's how we attack anxiety. That's the beginning of this process. In fact, I'll invite Jason to come back up as we uh, will sing. But uh, let's bow for just a word of prayer.